Hello and welcome to The Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray, and this is the 64th episode in a weekly series called Short Round. Here with me is Tinzian today. Good night, and hello. Hi, everybody out there. Last week's episode was a discussion with Hold the Line about Mass Effect 3, the retake movement, turn off on Bioware campaigns, and learning more about the ladies of Hold the Line. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Monday, May 7th, and we are going to discuss some upcoming news, talk about Dungeon Defenders, and kind of play it by ear a little bit today. Mm-hmm. So let's start with news of the week. <laughs> so if, since I've had a cancellation in my interview schedule, Tinzian has graciously agreed to sit with me and talk about some of this, this news. So let's begin with the news of the week. In no surprise, Star Wars The Old Republic is in the news again. In an earnings report issued, EA has announced that the game currently has 1.3 million active subscribers, which originally it had 1.7, so it's down nearly about 25%. And this is... They're saying that this probably is just people coming in to try the 30-day trial and giving the game kind of curiosity's chance, but the diehard gamers are going to continue with with the game and their previous statements from Bioware by lead writer Daniel Erickson last month, where he said that dropping server populations didn't indicate a reduction in active subscribers, seems that it might not be as accurate as he was saying last month. So, uh, I don't think that's any real surprise. A lot of people kind of ran into the Star Wars The Old Republic bandwagon at the beginning, and like myself, after a few months, ended up completing a lot of the storyline and leaving the game at that point. Uh, They're saying that the company intends to increase subscribers with new guild features, PvP improvements, elder gameplay, and things that will keep the game appealing to high-level players. But uh, what do you think about that, Tinsy? And do you think that's going to draw people back to the 1.7 million active subscribers? Well, there's, there's two schools of thought in that some reports in the past have said that there were 2 million boxes sold. Now, is that 2 million boxes just accounting for what retailers purchased and may not be sold? But the 1.7, I agree, is a large influx of people wanting to try out the new shiny mm-hmm. thing. I think in large part, if they had kept a, well, people have been talking about this 1.2 patch that dropped a couple weeks ago. That really is considered the release of the game by many who've played. I stopped playing for a while. I kept my account going, but I would kind of jump in, jump out. I've actually been having some fun recently with the 1.2 content. I'm not level 50, um, still just below level 40, but some of the changes it made made my sniper feel stronger, more powerful, more able to solo, Mm. yet still keep some of that glass cannon ability where my companions now mattered more. If I didn't use um, one of my companions properly and I was just kind of fudging it before, now I'll really take 
a, a boot to the skull. But if I play with my companions' rights and I get them geared out accordingly and I pay attention to them, they've really helped me out of a lot more binds than um, stuff in the past, uh, especially Calio, who's notoriously useless as a tank um, for the snipers. I think a lot of the thought is that if 1.2 had come out, that would have been the 1.7 kept as the baseline versus the 1.3. But most people are looking at this in terms of numbers from just Blizzard. Everyone seems to think that if it's not a Blizzard killer, it doesn't exist yet. It's still doing better than Aeon. It's still even doing better than Anarchy Online, which is still out there. EVE Online has a notoriously strong community, and they're not pulling much bigger numbers than, than Star Wars, but it's taken them a decade to get to that number. So in one way, yes, compared to WoW, uh, SOTOR came out very flat, but they're coming out of the gate with 1.3 million within months. That's pretty amazing. So if they can actually put some time and love and some work into the, the product, they may get more people coming back in as things are polished. But on the other hand, yeah, you know, a 25% dip, that's, that's some dollars that they're not getting that they may have hopefully not uh, banked on. Well, you have to wonder, uh, in the last couple of months we've reported that Blizzard has seemed a little uh, leery or a little bit panicked in the sense that a lot of people have left World of Warcraft. They're trying to lure them back with the new invite a friend, you know, instant level uh, tactics and other things to try to get people to come back right before uh, Pandera goes live. And you wonder what happens to all these people that have now left World of Warcraft and appear to be leaving Star Wars The Old Republic. Uh, there's no game that seems to be sucking them up at the moment as everyone waits for Diablo 3. So, mm. you know, I find myself, as I play more and more MMOs, that I become more fickle with it, where it is like a couple months, and then I just lose interest in it and bounce around to game to game to game. I wonder mm. what it is about certain ones that just keep subscribers going for years at a time. I think that I, I could go back to World of Warcraft probably in this next huge expansion and be just as content as I was before. But uh, it's a pretty quick turnaround. I mean, Star Wars The Old Republic came out, I believe, in December, around December of last year. So uh, five, six months, I mean, that's that's a very quick, I would say, shelf life for something that we have come to expect from Blizzard and World of Warcraft to yeah. have, you know, m maybe two years of you know, entertainment and, and holding of your interest until you need to have that expansion. Do you think we're all becoming, I don't know, burnt out or, or super fickle in our... Well, there's, there seems to be sort of the blizzard curse as well, and that seems to be that near the end of an expansion, they tend to uh, drop either poor quality content or there's this long gap between end of game and next expansion. My raid team that I was part of uh, has gone on hiatus because people are tired of the leveling grind with the final uh, campaign. We went in, we beat it in normal mode, we went in did some heroic content, but for the most part people are kind of like, hey, let's just go work on some old achievements. In Lich King, they had announced the Ruby Sanctum, which was a horrible piece of crap uh, <laughs> zone Tell us what you really feel. As, as a bridge between this and Cataclysm. So we're sort of in that, that dead zone period with WoW 
where you either can play catch-up, you can work on your alts, but in terms of actually getting in there and bloodying your sword, so to speak, in final raid content, we're clearly in that period, just like with all the other expansions, where it's pretty much uh, a no-man's land, and people, if they want a raid, are having extreme trouble trying to find it. Like, I'm actually taking pretty much a vacation from raiding right now, just to kind of plunk around here and there, but as we'll get to talking... um, Later on, as far as the multiplayer stuff, I've sort of found a bridge there. Don't you think, though, that Star Wars Zelda Republic, um, six months to complete uh, pretty much all the classes, storyline, and then people are leaving, is that just the, the thing that's happening? Because I know for myself, and I'm hoping maybe in this new patch I haven't played since 2.1, that um, the Marauder, I was getting very frustrated where there were certain quests I just could not complete no matter which companion I seemed to bring with me. Um, mm-hmm. I was dying multiple times and it just became less and less fun and more grindy. And uh, even though I constantly get emails saying that Fetch would like me to come back and continue the story, uh, I haven't found anything to to allow me to come back and, and be focused on the story again rather than being uh, caught up and um, restrained by the gameplay that I was dealing with. I don't know if the patch has solved some of those issues or if that's something that is just inherent in the game. Well, you were getting angry with me when you went through uh, launch content for the Sith Warrior, and you were getting trounced left, right, and center. And, you know, you are a competent uh, and above-skilled player who's able to understand what an MMO mechanic is, and you're hitting and you're timing and you're understanding these things, yet you're getting thwomped left and right. I came in a month, month and a half behind you, just plunking around and not really paying attention to the warrior mechanics. And I was getting through boss encounters within the starter quest area that you had trouble with. And it wasn't that I was doing anything better. I was doing stuff worse, but they had tuned things to, um, to be different. So there's been a lot of tuning going on, but as far as my sniper campaign goes, I was getting to the point where, okay, maybe this is getting a little boring. Maybe I should go play an alt, an alt or something like that. And then I would get to a crucial point where my character would get onto the next portion of the story, and they just pull me right back in, because at least as far as the agent story, it's excellent. So I think a lot of people are waiting for their time for tuning. Um, some people like you, who have walked away after the first couple months, um, I think eventually the curiosity may come back of, you know what, I'm kind of bored, I want to go swing a lightsaber, I'll go spend a half hour, I'll go kill something, I'll feel evil and, you know, good. I think they're kind of relying on that curiosity factor to bring you back, Mm. where you're going to go out, you're going to look at a a group of mobs, you're going to pull up both lightsabers, and you're not going to really care if you get through it, because in all honesty, you're planning in your mind that you're going to put this away again for another, you know, two months, and you're going to wipe the floor with an area and then you're going to wipe the floor with the zone and you're progressing your story. And yes, you may encounter a period where suddenly it's grindy again and it's nasty and you put it down or you may not, but I think it's going to be the innate player curiosity as well as them announcing content changes and this, that, and the other thing. But there's a proverbial night and day as far as I'm concerned as a player, um, who's somewhat jaded and picky about games, uh, they have brought me back not as a full-time player, but they have kept me in as far as, yeah, I want, I want to go play my sniper and have that be a positive tone thing versus I have to go because my 
guy is messaging me and I feel guilty that an NPC is wasting time messaging me. (laughs) (laughs) Bang, bang. You know, whereas, you know, I'll log in now and then and blow something away and I feel that I've spent a half hour, hour and that's good. But they don't have the um, quite that, that wow quest Yes, you and five million, ten million other people are doing the same quest. You're all the saviors of Stormwind or whoever, but where you have that investment that your character is making a difference in the world, mm-hmm. I think your character makes a difference in the world in Swotor in the story elements. And I think the story elements, they need to make that a closer... The events happen more closely because otherwise you do get stuck in that grind and it's you and, you know, one point... 2 million people, 1.3 million people doing the same thing, but when you get to your story element, that's where you just feel like, yeah, I am the sniper, I am the cis sorcerer, I am the, you know, whatever, that's doing this thing. You feel badass and you forget about the 1.2 million. That's true. I, I think also I tend to get attached for good or bad to a character and not want to try different classes. There are people that go in and, you know, they they grind a certain class to 20 and then they switch. And that was probably an issue that I encountered because I just wanted to play my Sith warrior, you know, mm-hmm. and not try all the others. And I'm sure that it probably would have been easier maybe starting out. I knew that it was a bit of a, a temperamental class, mm-hmm. you know, starting out, I probably could have tried several other different classes and maybe felt a little less frustrated. Um, finally getting, you know, eking out Alderaan and feeling like, you know, I'm done now. I don't want to. Well, I, I am. I am so glad to have gotten off Alderaan because the game opens up for me after that point. But I was so glad I went and tried the Warrior and tried the Sith Inquisitor. I haven't done the Bounty Hunter yet because those elements of seeing how the other classes worked and going, okay, well, Genesee has been fighting with the Sith Warrior class, and I'm I'm doing the Juggernaut, and she's doing the Marauder. But it helped me understand better. Um, where you were coming from by going through and experiencing those things, even though we weren't on the same parody as far as you had gone in and done content that was overtuned. I went in and got, had done content that was probably nerfed and everything, but I, I really enjoy playing my alts, but then it makes me hungry to go back to my other character. Okay. See, I kind of the same issue in Dungeon Defenders, which we will talk about later on too, and see mm-hmm. how you feel about that. Um, but in other news, before we get to that point, uh, Diablo 3 news, which I have to say, after playing the beta for Diablo 3, I'm really kind of anxious to get back to it. I didn't barbarian, think I would... <laughs> barbarian, 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 barbarian! <laughs> I know, I didn't think I would be that attached, but it, it really it really sucks you in. I've been kind of jonesing for Diablo 3. So, the news for Diablo 3 is the in-game auction house is garnering attention as news was released that Blizzard has revealed exorbitant fees up to 30% for items with an additional 15% fee, so total 30. 15% for items, an additional 15% charge for transferring a cash balance to things like PayPal. So it could be up to 30% in real-life cash in the auction house in Diablo 3. So they're going to make money hand over fist and perhaps that's the way that they're going to pay for the fact that you have the free-to-play. There's, there's also a new development there as well. Mm, um, it was just announced. Apparently now it's going to be for every auction posted, 
in amongst the other fees. Um, I'm not sure if it's in amongst the other fees or if they've just gone with a flat $1, but there is definitely a flat $1 somewhere in there for those fees. Hmm. Well, Blizzard will not be poor on this game for sure. And they're not getting my dollar because I really don't care about the auction. <laughs> you have to wonder how that works. If you must pay a dollar just to post or if it's only if your item sells, they take the fees out of your your price, I don't know. final price. No, it, it gets to the point where maybe the Lady R needs to learn how to farm and stuff and we can put her to work on her uh, college education and stuff. <laughs> but um, I, from, from my viewpoint, I don't care. Yeah, let's recruit neighborhood children to farm for Diablo 3 so we can <laughs> be like they, they 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 will get a uh they'll get an in-depth sociological thing study into Chinese culture at the same time and uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The views of Tinzian do not necessarily reflect the views of the Gray Area podcast. Views of Tinzian don't necessarily reflect the views of Tinzian. <laughs> true. Very true. Time, but... you speak Chinese. Anyway, a new uh, message on EA's online help site has confirmed <laughs> the game Rock Band would be unplayable at the end of the month, uh, despite there being no indication of a shutdown at all. And then later on, the after fans were enraged and confused and wrote tons of of notes and angry letters on Reddit and all the other sites you can imagine. Um, iTunes being flooded with horrible reviews for Rock Band for iOS and all sorts of things. Suddenly there was a, a new message being displayed on the app uh, opening screen saying, we apologize for the confusion this caused and we're working to clarify the issue that caused the error and we'll share soon additional information when it becomes available or as soon as possible. Mm. And just basically to disregard the previous message. So the question is... Uh, EA, we know, has been shutting down a lot of servers lately, uh, unexpectedly. Can a developer shut down an app universally um, for no reason? Because you do sign when you when you get an app. You do sign the application license agreement, the EULA, which basically says that they have the rights to... Uh, they own the game, basically, and that they have the right to terminate your access to the app at any time. But technically, if you pay four ninety nine for this app, which is what you do, how are they possibly going to enforce the EULA in court or or deal with the mass retaliation of you know thousands and thousands of people that have paid this money for an app that suddenly is being shut down with no notice and no reason for it? And I guess this is one of those things under legal info that you begin to wonder. We've had this debate before about uh, downloadable content and you know steam in particular we've had this discussion where you know some people were very leery about buying games on steam saying well you know technically steam owns your game what if steam shuts down and goes away you know you're going to lose all that that stuff that you've purchased and all your saved games and everything else but what about apps what about ios related media do you think that uh there is the option for a developer to just universally shut down an app and that would be a fair thing considering that they own it? Or do you feel that that's something that is uh, outside of the EULA? I don't know because it depends on the EULA. They could do something sort of, uh, as Steam has always promised along with uh, good old games and a few others, that if they ever need to shut down, they'll send the unlock code and you can play offline all you want. Other 
people like Sony have changed their EU like EULA after the whole uh, hacking incident that basically says you can't sue us. Mm-hmm. So it depends on which do they go the the highbrow route or do they go the douchebag route. But <laughs> I think that if you have paid for a product, um, there's always the great debate on is it a license or is it an actual physical copy. You should at least be able to play it solo. But if you've gone in and invested in additional downloaded downloadable content, you are then therefore more obligated to make sure the user maintains some degree of access to the content because while they can technically just shut everything down and walk away, there's never sort of a timer where um, you as a buyer on an iOS app can go in and go, you know what, I want a 30-day access license. Mm-hmm. I want to play Rock Band or I want to play Draw something or whatever, and I want a 30-day license because if you're talking about a license... They own the product. I'm just buying access to it, but I want to pay for 30 days. And I know that after 30 days, if I don't pony up another two cents, they'll turn they'll turn my access off, and that's fine. I at least know now there's there's a shelf life. I may spend two three dollars, and I get it for a couple months, and then every couple months after that, you know, I need to plunk down maybe another 20 cents or whatever to keep it going. But if I know that there's a finite timeline, I'm not really going to care if they suddenly turn it off and go, well, you know what? You're down. Here's your timer. We looked at this thing. Pretty much everybody is now on a down cycle for release um, because most of our, say, 5 million users bought it on the first day or the first couple weeks. So we'll wait a week You know that normally you'd stop. We'll give you an extra week. That'll bring everyone roughly into parity, and I'm sorry for the 20,000 people that purchased it at another time. Maybe, you know, we'll do something there. Maybe we'll give you a code, and you can go for something else. But you at least know that you've got a termination. Right. Versus a hard termination. I think that if they're going to do a hard termination, they need to at least unlock it so that you can play it. There'll be no support. There'll be no future patches. If there's a glaring bug out there, tough. But you can at least fire it up five years from now and go, look at me, I'm playing rock band. Ooh. Otherwise, there's the expectation that, um, you know, especially with the iOS stuff, you feel that you have more of a license than a physical product. But I've come along the line of, I paid for a physical product, therefore I get support and so forth. You have to wonder why they can't just make the single-player version unlocked forever and get rid of you know anything involving their servers or something that they would have to continually host it doesn't make a lot of sense to completely eliminate the game or send out some sort of kill code and, and even they just need to just code in a back back door and just say here's an update here's the back door we're unlocking this thing and we're going away bye right. okay you know you still got access to all your aerosmith your led zeppelin your beastie boys your nwa whatever you're playing rock band to but David Lee said, hey, look, here's your stuff. We have the kill code. We're hitting the button. Bye. We're walking away. You go that way. I will go this way. If you like our next property, fine. But if they do it the wrong way, they're going to poison whatever future iOS release stream they potentially have because gamers are going to be like, mm, no, you guys did a douche way instead of, you know, the right way. Douchebaggery. 
Douchebaggery 101. <laughs> yes. Well, EA should be probably laying low lately with some of the backlash for their games. I'm sure that was a clerical error, I'm hoping, on their behalf. Huh. Let's go on to some games that are releasing in the next week or two that we might want to just talk about. Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. Are you planning to play this at all? It's going to be out for the PC, Xbox 360, and PS3 on May 15th, coincidentally the same day as Diablo 3. I am not planning on playing it, but I have heard early reviews from people that um, find it to be extremely enjoyable. It's not a, a killer of a game, it's not a Skyrim, but it is an enjoyable time. Speaking of Skyrim, I'm very excited to say that Xenomax Media has announced The Elder Scrolls Online, which will take this franchise to the MMO direction for the first time. It's going to come out in 2013. And uh, this is going to happen a millennium before the events of Skyrim, hopefully in the same uh, amazing detail and awesome creation as Skyrim. So we'll have to see what comes out with that, but uh, now everything's becoming MMO, and Skyrim is jumping on the line for that. So you can share sweet roles across the galaxy. I'm kind of wondering with that one, are they actually going to try and do it exactly like the um, Skyrim that you play single player, or are they going to do it sort of a fantasy fantasy star uh, Final Fantasy type game where you have the ability for multiple players? Because right now, Trying to get um, 500 Dragonborn shoved into a server. <laughs> I'm the Dragon. No, I'm no, I'm the Dragonborn. Yeah, that's sort of how they've got the Skyrim. I don't know if they can follow the Skyrim model as they've got it and be able to put it out as multiple people or not. Yeah, well, a millennium before the actual Skyrim occurred. I mean, we'll we'll have to see. What jail we wake up in with our memory wiped and we'll figure out what that one's going to be about. But mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? Maybe you will be the character that through the progression, your quest to level whatever, mm-hmm. your goal in the game is to be the, the son of a gun who designs, develops, and builds all the jails that everybody in <laughs> all the other Elder Scrolls properties will eventually come out of. You know, some, you started here in Elder Scrolls 1. That was, you know, sort of your journeyman project, but now the Skyrim one, because that's really good, that was like, you know, the one that you did, and a brick fell on your head right as you finished it, and therefore you died, but, you know, your jail lived on. <laughs> yes. Your legacy is the imprisonment instead of inheritance of your uh, your uh, future generations. Possibility. We'll you were an ass. You were a full, <laughs> bloody ass, grandpa, whatever the hell your name was. <laughs> <sighs> I can't think of a good superhero name. I've been trying. Like, you know, Cell, Prison, uh, you know, there's just no good, there's no good uh, superhero name involving the building of prisons. You, you get you get your haggle skill up just so that you can um, in, introduce cigarettes into the game, and therefore you, know, you <laughs> okay, can. Don't take it any further. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, Max Payne three coming out for PS3 and Xbox 360. Coincidentally, on the fifteenth, it's a big day. But mm-hmm. Not for PC, if you'll notice. Um, are you planning on playing Max Payne 3? There's a lot of hype about that. It's going to be a very busy day for some people. I want to so badly. I love the first two games. 
Um, they they are some of my most enjoyable experiences for that sort of genre. I'm not usually a big uh, over-the-shoulder mm-hmm. um, shooter sort, but that really was a beautiful game that made me happy to play it anytime I sat down. Well, you will have to wait until the 29th because pff, you're a PC player. Yep. Well, <laughs> so am I. Although I could, I could really be horribly cruel and buy it like <laughs> on Xbox and PS3. I, I wouldn't touch it. No, it's wouldn't it's probably it. going to be more fun on the PC. And and I'm notorious for cheating on the PC, so you know. yeah, you can never train her on the Xbox. I'm sure you probably can, but I don't know the the ways around that yet. <laughs> All right. So some personal news. I had such a good time with Hold the Line last week that I'm going to be getting together with the ladies again and a gentleman. And we're going to do a an interesting podcast coming out this Thursday, which let's see, would be the tenth, is that right? I believe so. The tenth. Uh and will be streamed hopefully and available to be listened to at the very least and the premise behind it is we're all going to get together and just hang out friends talking about mass effect and it's going to be called the inebriated podcast we're going to to drink and get rowdy and see what happens when we loosen up a little bit and express our real views about the mass effect 3 ending so if you're interested in just in learning more about mass effect 3 if you liked the previous show last week, or if you just want to see what happens when I get really toasted, you can listen on Thursday, and I will be linking the information at Gray Area Podcast on Twitter, or probably on the Facebook page, Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, and uh, you can can follow along and see what happens. It'll be surprising to all of us. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, let's go to Dungeon Defenders, our new game of choice. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, although awesome, occasionally loses its shine a bit and we need a little bit of a change. So the group, rotating group of people that we have to play multiplayer has now branched off into Dungeon Defenders. And if you've never played this game before, it's really awesome. It is a real-time strategy, and don't let that throw you, a uh, game where you are kind of cutesy little, I don't know, gnomes and dwarves and strange creatures from medieval era and you are building traps and various ways to prevent the uh, overrunning of enemies into your area to attack your crystal you are defending your crystal and you have various traps associated with your different classes that you can be i'm currently playing a hunter and have a inferno trap i have a darkness trap that slows people down Um, a gas trap does the same thing I like to see them catch on fire when they walk over the inferno trap and it goes and they all blow up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ethereal spike trap, which is really cool as well. And just neat things that you can do. My class can throw a little like purple hawk and it hurts people. And uh, you're, Which class are you playing? I am playing Eve, the robot. Yes, very cool. And what does Eve do? Eve does beams. Um, I'm, instead of Having a fixed width beam uh, or trap or uh, barrier or something, I can extend within a fairly large radius a beam of my choice. And what that does, it allows me to fill gaps 
or um, large areas with either destructive beams, barriers. Um, I've got one barrier that's a shield. I have another barrier that its sole purpose really is just to stop projectiles. So for these really, really nasty uh, archers. archers, they can plunk at this thing pretty much all day and instead of they'll hit the shield instead of the crystal and I've sort of rendered them inert. But how I have my character set up, I'm a split between um, focusing on my character skills and focusing on my tower uh, abilities for more damage. So normally what I'll do is I'll find a choke point, set up a bunch of beams, and last night I unlocked the ability to use a um, beam that'll augment my other destructive beams Mm -hmm. for more power. So I pretty much locked down an entire half of the map last night that we had never played before and was able to keep things at bay while at the same time using my chain gun on my character to inflict melee damage. So I was having a lot of fun kind of there, although I think uh, Rabbit would have rather I was more quick or not using so many um, build points because you've only got a certain pool. Uh, uh, yeah, pool of mana we all have to share, and then some people lay more traps down than others do, especially if you take a lot of time to decide where you're going to place them. <laughs> I, I, I like to think that uh, for the number of defense units that my traps take up, um, that they definitely provide a lot more bang for the buck um, per defense unit. So I'm apologetic in some regards, but in other regards, when I can lock down a good chunk of a map and enable the rest of the players to handle their bits without having to worry about getting jumped from behind, I, I feel it's a nice trade-off, but... Um, I haven't played another class to understand that perhaps I'm being, you know, not so, uh, uh, what's the word? Altruistic. Altruistic, yes. We, we seem to be doing pretty good as far as, uh, going through content on normal or easy mode. And there's the squire, who's mostly a melee character. There's the monk, which is a melee and light range character with some aura type abilities. And here's some barbarians and things like that. But, uh, most of the party seems to like either the mages or the hunters for yeah. their ability to pew pew. And mass. I'd like to try the jester, which would be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And there's neat outfits you can get for your characters and things like that. And I like how you can play it on easy, hard, or insanity. And yeah. even easy can get a bit overwhelming because there are Ooh. very, very many. Uh, Hell yes, yeah, uh, can bad get guys oh. coming out of the doors for sure. Mm-hmm. But the loot's better for hard, so someday we should try it on Insanity just for the sake of it to see. I, I tried an Insanity a couple days ago on just a um, a, a solo in the first dungeon, and I got whooped hard because the <laughs> crystal that you're defending doesn't recharge. And you've only got a very limited time to build things, and you build slower, and it's, it's just a mess. I think uh, many of the dungeons we do have about eight waves to them, and then certain ones have a boss. I like the Demon Lord. Uh, we just faced the Goblin Mech the other night. I think we've done the Kraken before. Apparently there's an Ancient Dragon, a Genie King, and a Spider Queen, which we had not hit yet. And we have we had to restart a lot of our characters on Rated so that we could do the Rated 
uh, sets of dungeons, so we're rebuilding them up. But it's been a fun thing, and I really have enjoyed the multiplayer lately, uh, getting into that, finding different people that will, will come and rotate in and out with us for Mass Effect and also for Dungeon Defenders. It's a good change of pace, I think. Yeah, definitely. All right, I don't have a lot to say this week. I just thought uh, we could talk about these topics, and um, then next week we'll have an interview again, and you will hopefully get a chance to hear the Hold the Line podcast as well. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, uh, Tinsian, before we get to closing? I do, actually. I have had an oh-my-golly moment in terms of gaming. Okay, tell me. Uh, recently, well... Pretty much I've been a player of EVE Online since the very beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. But I'm one of those notorious uh, station campers that lives in a station and just trains skills left and right, left and right. And occasionally I'll go zipping out in a fast little ship and tool around and, you know, just whatever. But I haven't really been playing the game. Well, I ran into an opportunity where uh, I could start playing the game a little bit and get my feet out uh wet in some some areas that I've never been to before and just at the end of uh, last week I was able to um, finally make my inaugural voyage down to Nullsec which is basically uh, there's hell and then there's Nullsec and the place I went to was probably layer 6 below that and it was uh, 34 jumps through the worst space possible and I managed to make it without dying, uh, fully equipped, and um, that was intense and amazing, and I kind of think I have the multiplayer aspect that we've been playing with on and off here for the past couple of weeks to credit for that, because it made me be willing to step out of my normal comfort zone in order to play the multiplayer aspects of these games, which is not my forte at all to look at sort of a multiplayer in EVE Online and maybe get into that community a little bit. So I finally got up the guts and went, and um, I haven't done really anything down here yet, but um, I've got a small little base of operations, and I'm actually looking forward to the spreadsheet game. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I know you're pretty... uh pretty deeply into EU if you have some of the few rare huge oh yeah juggernaut ships of the game I, and I I finally passed 92 million skill points. I'm somewhere up <laughs> almost around 93 <laughs> at this point. So most people when they see me coming um it's it's pretty interesting cuz they're like, "Wow, you can fly. Well, what can't you fly? <laughs> no, what can't you shoot? Um pretty much everything." So it it's it's been it's been fun taking advantage of some of these skills that I've trained, never thinking I'd really use them, but just having fun with the training aspect mm-hmm. and actually getting in that covert ship and sneaking down through a bunch of gates and gate camps and flying around people and I'm invisible just because my skills are so high that they can't see me even when they're trying to uh, sensor lock me or trying to flush me out and they don't even know I'm there to to do that. Um, it's, it's pretty fun. I kind of pulled the tiger's tail a few times. There was a couple <laughs> battleships and things that they, you know, some people had parked a small fleet out in front of one gate, and I kind of parked myself right in the middle of the camp, and I'm just invisible. 
And, uh, you know, if I had had the ability or had the team to do it, I could have brought an entire other larger fleet on top of these people and stuff. But, and then, you know, I just kind of flew away after and went on my merry way. But it was kind of fun just being like, hee 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 hee. <laughs> Rogan me. You can see me. The Rogan me. <laughs> and then when I got to where I was going, I wound up buying what's called a stealth bomber. So now I'm pretty much a floating, hiding torpedo ship that, uh, Heaven forbid if someone falls in my um, targeting radicals, because either I'll kill them or they'll kill me, but either way, I'll die and explode uh, hilariously. <laughs> and that seems to be the mantra down here is, uh, you are going to die, so you may as well have fun with it. And if you die, well, that's fun. If they die, that's fun, too. But um, I've got kind of a chain gun sitting down here um, at some point, so we'll see after I get some PvP if I limp my way back up to high sec and go hide in the station again for a couple more years. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to take a minute to introduce my permanent co-host, the attention whore cat, Freddy, who cannot stand uh, when I'm recording to not be in my lap lately, especially if I'm streaming. He loves to be on the stream, and you may be able to hear him right now. He's pretty darn loud. May, may be able to would be an understatement. Oh, he yeah. is. He's pretty he has got the uh, he's got the 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 base going for this um, yeah. this podcast. So he's going to put all the listeners to sleep because he's going to sit here and purr really loudly um, while I'm recording. But I, I cannot extricate him from my lap. I've tried many times. So since we're doing a short podcast, I'll let him have his way mm-hmm. and uh, and sit in the co-host seat with me. All right. Well, I think uh, that's pretty much everything I had to say. And thank you for stepping in to do this with me today. Welcome. You can find him on at Tinzian, T-I-N-Z-I-E-N on, on Twitter. And you can find me at Gray Area Podcast at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast or on iTunes. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective, email your questions, advice, or suggestions to Gray at yahoo.com. I would encourage you to visit the Twitch channel, which is twitchtv.com backslash Genesee, where you can see the cat. <laughs> what is it? Fanboying for the camera. He is uh, quite entertaining. And uh, find out... You can watch us play Dungeon Defenders or any other game, Mass Effect 3, because I stream most of those as well. So thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode. Hey everybody, Rabbit here with a public service type announcement. As you may or may not know, Genesee used to have sponsorship for her podcasts, but she doesn't anymore. As such, I suggested to her in the meantime that she could put up a Amazon wish list, and after many, 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 many messages on Facebook... I finally convinced her to do so. Genesee was very hesitant and uh, felt weird about saying this herself, so uh, the bunny will do it for her. So if you have enjoyed her Gray Area podcast, and you might want to return the smile or uh, good times, you now have a chance to do so through the Amazon wishlist. All you have to do is go to Amazon.com and do a search for wishlist and type in genesegray at yahoo.com, and it should pop right up there. And when I checked it this morning, gifts range from some books at around $10 was the low range, and then it was a few games that are older games, so they were sort of, you know, mid-range price, like around 20 25 bucks or so. And then it was at least one or two uh, newer games that are, you know, around 55 to 60 bucks. 
But if you have enjoyed her podcast and want to say thank you in a way that is not a direct donation of monies, you can do an indirect donation of monies through uh, getting a gift. You can go to the Amazon wishlist and pick out a something and send it to her. And if you can't afford to send a donation, but you do want to send some appreciation to your favorite podcaster, pretty much all of us do appreciate getting a little note now and then. Send an email or post on the Facebook page. Okay, that's it. Okay, thanks. Bye.